0: Our last day of the our Torah marathon. When I was sitting and preparing the class, I was thinking, what are the goals of my of this class? And I think the goal would be if after this class, at least some of you said, Let's pull off the albumel off the shelf and read it. <laughs> that would re- that would be a success of a class if um the Hayazes Hari. The title of the class is the Abarbanel's commentaries to the story of the Exodus, but it's not just his story of the Exodus; it's the story of Geulot in general. But before, in order to under, properly appreciate Abarbanel, I have to devote a good ten minutes just to talk about Abarbanel's life. We all know that Abarbanel is during the time of the Spanish Inquisition, but there's still a lot more uh, that we can add today. To the Abarbanel's life and the Abarbanel's writings. Donitzchak Abarbanel was born to a prominent Jewish family, a family of financiers in Portugal, in Lisbon, in the year 1437. In Seville, sorry, in year 1437. His father was the king's chief financier, and the Abarbanel would sit home and and write. He, wrote, he started his writings at a very young age, Pavish on the Rambam, when, when he was a teenager. But very quickly, he was summoned to help out with the family's business and joined his father as a, as a financer for the king and queen. And he was very well respected and accepted there, an extremely wealthy, prominent person in Portugal. He was very close with the king. Unfortunately, this king uh, died at a young age and his son took over his son juan took over his son uh, decided to get rid of all of the nobility and in a very short time period his son juan killed off 80 officials and he summoned abarbanel for a meeting said i'd like to meet with you on the abarbanel describes this in his introduction to Sefer malachim on his way to this meeting he's told he receives a secret message don't go to the meeting. There's, there's only one outcome to this meeting, and that you're going to be murdered at this meeting. So he, that that then and there, he escapes the land of Portugal, leaving everything behind, his writings, his family, his assets, and he escapes to Spain. He describes this time period in his life as the worst time period in his lifetime. Little did he know that this time period. That his wor- the worst light- time period is yet to come. And he starts to pick up the pieces. He says he all he has is the shirt on his back and he has to pick up the pieces, start writing again. He had a, ve- a large chunk of his commentary to Sefer Dvarim had been written. And in his introduction to Navim Rishonim, he says, I've reached the conclusion that perhaps God has trying to teach me a lesson. The reason this happened to me was because I was too involved in my own uh, development, and I did not, I did not do what I should have been doing, which was writing my perushim for Torah and neviim. I was too, in, I too much invested my time in my assets and in um, my, my 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 gashmi my Gashmios. And therefore, I'm going to leave all that now, and I'm going to start writing commentaries. And he starts writing his peirushim for Yeshua Shoftim and Shmuel Beth. Begins Sefer Melachim. He writes those peirushim, which is an enormous amount of material. I'm talking about over 400,000 words, which in a t- within a time period of four months. Now, I don't know if any of you have written a a, a doctorate before, but a doctorate is about 300,000 words, and it takes four to ten years. Um, so, it's really, he just, he was a prolific writer with an unbelievable memory of the Abarbanel, which uh, actually backfired at him after his lifetime, his memory, because he was accused of plagiarism. Because he, he memorized so many commentaries, but he didn't always remember whom he was quoting. So, Yitzhak Arama, who, who Rabarbanel learned a lot from, he quotes him at length. But he doesn't always quote him by name. And one of the possibilities he simply did not, he maybe did not remember, he knew that he heard this idea, but not necessarily remember whom it was, beshame me. So he writes, he writes a lot, but as he reaches the beginning of Sefer Melachim, he has to stop because he receives a very good job. He is asked to become the chief financer for the new up-and-coming kings of United Spain, Fernand and Isabella, and, of course, he accepts the job, primarily not because it was it's a good job, but he sees these opportunities as ways to help the Jewish people. So he accepts the job, and very quickly, the Abarbanel becomes a, an important figure in Spain. He's quoted in various documents that are archived in Spain today. He appears in the arts. Um, and, and he, he's an asset. He is an asset to the Spanish uh, kingdom. And, however, year 1492 arrives nine years after he receives his job. And when he receives notice of the Jews being expelled of Spain, he goes to speak to the, first to the king and to beg of the king. And from that, we, that's a very good source that it, this whole idea of of expelling Jews really came from the queen the king could have been uh, perhaps been uh, persuade not to expel the Jews of Spain and he tells the king, he offers the king a large amount of his own personal assets and he says the king was was about to agree then the queen Isabella who he refers to he calls Isabel, and in the story of, and in the story of Kerem Navot and Izevel, it's very clear that he has his Izevel in mind. And his entire perush of Tusefer Melachim is going to take a turn when he realizes the uh, the tyranny and the cruelty which will be a result of, of the kingship. So his, this uh, Izevel... Uh, she says, enters, and she says, no, this is uh for the sake of, you're willing to sell. She tells her husband, you're willing to sell your god for money? And with that, the discussion between him and Fernand is closed. And he describes, uh, definitely it's a good reading for Tisha B'Av to read his introduction to Sefer Melachim as well as his introduction to Sefer Yirmiyahu where he describes the, um, the the Galut. I'm just going to read two lines. You don't have, I, I, as you said, Barbanel wrote a lot and I'm only allowed to give you four source sheets. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna, some of the sources I'm going to read out to you from my sheets because I was allowed to print 20. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, what is that? Which books? Malachim. Malachim and Yirmiyahu, his introductions. Abar is one of the few commentators that wrote introductions, which we'll also discuss about his his commentary. So he writes, Uvashana ha-chi'it is the ninth year since he's been working for them. Shnat Mizare Yisrael. This is based on the pasuk in Sefer Yirmiyahu. Mizare Yisrael yekabtzem. Mizareh, God who scatters Yisrael. Mizareh, he also uses the... Gimatria is year 7592, which is 7252, which is year 1492. Mizare Yisrael. Lakad Melech Svarad Kol Malchut Granata. The Yomer Esav Billy like all Amit, is viewed as the modern Christians of their time. Bame Ratzel Elokai. The king of Granada, Renan wants to thank his God for the victory. How can I thank my God if not by bringing under the wings of our Lord the nation who walks in the dark? Am And he says within three months, not a... Uh, he loti A hoof of the Jews shall not be, remain in Spain. Abarbanel himself is given the opportunity and the option to remain in Spain. Not only is he given the option by the king to remain in Spain, he can remain in Spain as a Jew. But the Abarbanel lives with, li- leaves together with his people. Uh, very similar to the description of Abar, of Yirmiyahu leaving with Galut Bavel are the descriptions of Abarbanel where he describes himself leaving together with his people along with 300,000 Jews. Most of the Jews go to Portugal. Abarbanel can't go to Portugal because all over Portugal there are signs of the Abarbanel with his picture wanted. <laughs> Remember, the King Juan thought he was, he, he wanted to kill him. The King Juan was, was uh, he, he thought that everybody wanted to, uh, was conspiring against him. So he can, can't enter the land of Portugal. So all 300,000, many of them go to Portugal. Via Barbanel describes in various places, which we'll read today, the, um, the fate of many of those Jews. Many of them did not end up get going to Portugal. They died at sea. They were sold on the slave markets. They died of hunger, uh, and they were, though, they were some that did arrive in Portugal. Via Barbanel goes to Italy. He arrives at Italy, and he's very much amazed by, uh, many of the, Repub- the republics in Italy. And he, um, starts again from scratch his writing. Building, he, he, he left with nothing. He has to start his picking, again, picking up the pieces. And he finds his natural place with Echlo, the king of Naples. And slowly he becomes the chief financer of the king of Naples. In year four, two years after the Spanish Inquisition, he is there. After the uh, Spanish expulsion, we find him in a very high position. In year four, it it's not a position that lasts very long. In year 1495, there's a French invasion to Naples, and the locals take advantage of the balagan and they attack the jews they're, The Jews are definitely a, if, if there 's anything bad that takes place it 's clear to the locals it 's the jews fault, so they 're attacked and their their they, spoils are taken from them land and lots of money and they 're behaved in a very cool way they 're sold the Jews are taken and sold once again here on the slave market. And after that, he has to leave. And he leaves together with the king. He escapes to Sicily. In Sic- there the king dies in Sicily. And from Sicily, he escapes to Greece, to a, to a um, an island, Corfu. And there he finally says, here I will sit and complete my writings. And he describes in one of his writings that as he's, depressed about many of his writings that he lost, and he has to start anew, he found someone brought to him a manuscript from 40 years ago, his first book that he wrote, Sefer Devarim, and he said he started crying when he saw his papers for Sefer Devarim, that he thought was gone, this was one of the first, we said, the publishing that he wrote, so he revised Sefer Devarim, some of those revisions we're going to see today. And he wrote a few other books. He focuses, the books that he's going to focus from here on till his death are Nevuot, Nechama, and Sefer Daniel. Sefer Daniel deals with calculating, a few prakim at the end, the Sefer Daniel deals with calculating when is the Mashiach, when is the case. And he wants to calculate when is the case. He is convinced Mashiach needs Mashiach now. He is convinced Mashiach is going to come, in, he, according to one of his calculations, it's supposed to come in year fifth, uh, f- uh, 1506. Unfortunately, he lived to see that it, it did not happen. Uh, really, unfortunately. But he, write, he so he writes a whole a section on calculating that, and he explains, Nevuot HaNechama. All of that was, I, I did really injust to Abarbanel. Abarbanel deserves at least a one semester course on his lifetime. But th- this is what we can do um, when I have this lovely person sitting next to me with her clock, with a with stopper. This is all I can do, and thank you. And this is all we can do uh, with the time that allows us to talk about the Abarbanel's lifetime. Now we're going to talk a little bit about his perush, and then we're going to get into the meat of his peirush. The Abarbanel wrote a commentary to most of the books. The Abarbanel has a beautiful style. It's, the style is what we call shibutzin. He weaves into the text psukim Tanakh, and the more you're familiar with the psukim, the more you appreciate. I always felt an excellent Tanakh bagrut would be just give a section of the Abarbanel and tell the students here take and try to understand, try, try to identify the uh, relevant section. So he clearly knew Tanakh al peh and every sentence is woven into beautifully the psukim. And the more you're familiar with the story, the more you can appreciate the uh, the various uh, parashanuyot. The Abarbanel does something that we don't find with many commentaries, and that is he does an overview of the book. He has introductions and he gives us an overview of the book. He gives us an overview of specific units. Any Tanakh teacher before preparing must open up an Abarbanel in order to read the, the introduction. Kasuto, who does something similar, is based on the Abarbanel's methodology. The Ababinel deals with a lot of uh, questions that we deal with in any modern, uh, university course of in, intro to Bible course, as far as who are the authors of certain books. What is the difference between Sefer uh, Melachim and Sefer Divrei Hayamim? What is the difference between Cree and K'tiv? Why do we have Kri and K'tiv? Why do we have so many K'tivs and Sefer and Crees and Sefer Yirmiyahu? These are definitely modern questions that we ask in any research, uh, Bible research course. The, um, the trademark of Abarbanel, as we all know, if anyone would say, what's the trademark of the Abarbanel? It's his questions. Right? That's what we all know about the Abarbanel, is his questions. Even though this, this style really came before, that's the style of his teacher, Rabbi Yitzhak Arama, but he developed that into a science, every unit. He doesn't divide up the chap, according to Prakim, he has literary units. Every unit is, he has the questions, he brings up the questions on the unit. Any of you who studied, uh, Nechamaleevuitz, with Nechamaleevuitz, or Nechamaleevuitz source sheets, one thing that Nechamaleevuitz liked very much would start a question, Ha'abarbanel, bashe'ela, ha'shloshin v'shalosh, sho'el. And she'll bring his question even with, and many times the questions are better than the answers, and she'll bring his question without bringing the answer, but that is definitely is the trademark of the Abarbanel. Very thought-provoking questions. The Peyrush itself is defined by being a shot Peyrush, not to say that he will not once in a while, if there's a strong medrash, he feels compelled to bring it. The Abarbanel brings a lot of his own personal experience, which is why when he left Portugal to Spain, he, he decided to leave Chumash and deal with Nevi'im Rishonim, with Shoftim and Melachim, because he felt that he has a lot to contribute from his experience in leadership. And So he brings a lot of things, so he, has, he has tremendous knowledge in geography, in uh, general history, which we'll see a few examples of that also today. One of the things that Abarbanel likes to do a lot, as we said, is structure. I tried today to bring a few examples just from Sefer Dvarim, since we're just about to open Sefer Dvarim uh, this Shabbos. So quickly open up to Sefer Dvarim, Perik Gimel, a nice example. Sure. Sure. Parsha Dvaram 13, Pashat uh, At the end, I'll take questions. A parakyud gimel. Pasuk bet. Abarbanel notices the strange, uh, I would say smichut parashiyot. We have d- different sections here that seemingly have nothing in common to them. We first start out talking about. Avodah Zara, a city that worships Avodah, an individual that worships Avodah Zara, a Navi Sheker we have here. So we start out with Avodah Zara. we go Ir nidakhat. After that, Perek Yudalit, chapter 14, deals with all the Machalot Aserot, the kosher animals, non-kosher animals. And then if we go to Perek Tetvab, towards the end of Perek Yudalit, we have Ma'aser, we have Shemitat Ksafim, Peret, chapter 15, Pasuk Zion, we have Tzedakah, we have Pasuk Yudbet, Ha'anaka. So the Abraham says, what's the connection between, how did we get from Avodah Zarah to if you have a slave, you have to send him off with a, with a monetary gift, Ha'anaka. And in the middle of this, we have the traith animals. And he writes beautifully, This these Sections are all based on the pasuk. Ve'ahavta et Hashem Elokecha bechol levavcha uvechol nafshecha uvechol meodecha bechol levavcha are things that have to do with emuna. Dvarim shebaleiv. That's the avodah That would be part to this section of avodah zara. The navi sheker bechol nafshecha is things that is you put you consume your body. That would be the machalot asurim uvechol meodecha. What do Chazal say? What is meodecha? Mamoncha. That has to do with your money. And therefore, we have all of the Shemitat kafim, Hatzaka, Ha'anaka. So that's one, just one nice idea of the Abarbanel. Clearly, the Abarbanel in Sefer Devarim is very influenced by all the events. You remember, we said he revised, he found this, after in year. 1503, he, fa- he found the copy, and he's very much influenced, and he revised the Perek. Let's read something that, uh, beginning of Sefer Devarim. Open up to Devarim Perek Dalid. Pasa Kafchet. I'll read it, uh, even a little bit, uh, before. I'll start from Pasa Kafvav. Ha'idoti vachem ha'yom, Moshe is telling Pnei Yisrael. Ha'idoti vachem ha'yom et ha'shamayim v'et Ki Avoto tovedun ma'her Al ha'aretz asher atem ovrim et ha'yarden shama levishta. Lo ta'arichun yamim ala'a ki hishamed tishamedun. Ve'haifit ha'sham etchem ba'amim shama. Okay, this is what's going to happen when I'm Yisrael. Leave God and then pass a kafchet. Elohim And here all the commentaries come of what we're talking about, the punishment. Amishwallah are going to be scattered amongst the nations. What kind of punishment is Pasakafhet? Is that a punishment? What does it seem like? Crime. It seems like a right. It seems like an offense. It's a hate. That's not a punishment. Why not? What kind of punishment is that? You will worship uh, uh, Elohim Achirim. That's that's a hate. So what is? So Rashi. If anybody remembers what Rashi writes there, Rashi says since you'll be you'll be slaves. To Ovde avodah Zara, it's as if you're worshiping. It's as if you're worshiping them. So the, the punishment is you'll be slaves to Ovde avodah Zara, and since you're slaves, ki'ilu avadatem lo Ovdehem. If anybody remembers what the Abarbanel says, a famous Abba Banel says, the avadatam sham Elohim achirin be'al korchachem against your will, you will be forced to worship Ov Zara. This is something only the Abar Banel can write. I want to read two lines out to you from the Abar Banel. because of the grave tzarot, yavo They'll be forced to worship a vodazara, Even though kim karatam, they'll know that it's a vodazara. But They'll do this because that's the only way they could save the life. In their hearts, they'll be worshipping God. But outside, they're going to be forced to be worshipping Avodah Shebaraot. This is the worst of all punishments. In their hearts they know and they know that there is God. Nonetheless, they have to accept the avodah zara. Let's see another example to this. Open up to Perek Lamed in Sefer Devarim. <coughs> what we refer to as Parashat HaTshuva. Devarim chapter 30. alecha atati clearly we hear echoing the word lashuv lashuv lashuv. That's why it's called Parshat Hatshuva. The Benel is bothered by this redundancy and he explains these psukim beautifully. He says there are two types of tshuvot here. There's the tshuva pasuk aleph. Ve el levavcha. These are referring to the Muranos, he writes, that can only do tshuva balev. Ve el levavcha. Their tshuva is only balev. There's then there are those who are not who accepted upon who are not Muranos. Those the shaft ad Hashem al-okera, those who live a life as a Jew, they can actually come back full-heartedly to Hashem, the Ad Hashem al-okera. So the concept of the Muranos and Sefer Devarim really is a appears over and over again. Um a nice a nice perush from this week's Parsha actually, Parsha's Devarim. Let's open up to Parshish Devar and Perak Aleph, the, one of the, I think one of the most original commentaries of the Abarbanel, and sure that you could say that about many of his, uh, is his Perush Te Chait All of you are from, uh, there, there are 10, 15 different possibilities uh, that the Farshim bring as to what exactly was the Chait of Moshe. Yabarbanel brings a list of 10 different ones. Shadal brings a list of 15. And uh, no no one can really figure out. The bottom line is it's very vague. And the Abarbanel said it's not vague. It's very clear. There is no chet mei meriva. It's a different chet. Mm -hmm. Open up to Devarim, Perek Aleph, Pasach Lamidalid. After describing chet hameraglim, Moshe tells Amisrael, Yisrael... According to the Abarbanel, and this I think today has become more and more an accepted opinion, the, the, the opinion of Barbanel, Moshe Rabbeinu did not go into Eretz Yisrael because of his share in Chet Hammeraglim. And the Abarbanel writes at length, it would have been inappropriate for Moshe to enter Eretz Yisrael if the entire nation that he led did not enter. That the manhig should go in. And that he also has a share in the chayt. Perhaps those leading questions. HaTovahi, imraa. Those leading questions that Moshe asked. And Rabbi Benel said, he did have good intentions. Nonetheless, Nimshach mizemasha nimshach. writes the Ben-El. The result is the result that, that, what happened happened from those questions. So he had a share in Chet HaMiraglim. Then why not write clearly that he doesn't go in? Because then you would have lost a little bit of perspective. You would have thought that his Chet is as severe as the Chet of the people. And therefore, he's going to be punished that he won't be going in, but we're not going to put it within the same time, at the same place where we punish all of Am Yisrael. Because it's not a lack of emunah, Moshe did believe, and it's not a lack of ahavat Eretz Yisrael. No, no, no one loved Eretz Yisrael more than Moshe Rabbeinu, but he still had din that he should go in when the entire nation is not going in. How are we? But we will find out later that that's the reason, and that's where we find out here when we're talking about chet hamiraglim, and how come Aaron doesn't go in? Same thing. Moshe writes the It had nothing to do with his share in chet May Aaron doesn't go in because his share in chayt HaEgel. Why is he not punished in chayt HaEgel? Because then you might have suspected Aaron in avodah zarah, And Aaron did try to prevent the avodah zarah. He tried to do the right thing to prevent. However, what is the Bible going to write? Nimshach mizemasha nimshach. The result was that there was a chet. And let's just see this also in Sefer Devarim. So you'll have lots of debris Torah over the next few weeks. Sefer Devarim, Perektet. Pasakiv Chet. Moshe is describing Chet Ha'egel. Yeah, chapter 9, verse 18. Perech tet, Pasakiv Chet. Va'et lifnei Hashem Karishona. Arbaim yom ve arbaim laila. Lechem lo achalti, umaim lo shatiti, alcohatate hemashatatem la sotarabe neashem lach iso. Kia gortim is nech, afach, emasha, katafashem lachem, shmidetem, Vaishmashem alai, gambapame. So Moshe says, I went out forty days, I daven't. Uve hit anaf, hashem me od, Also the word hit anaf, which also appears with by Moshe, gambi, hit anaf, hashem. Okay, and right afterwards is the chate of uh, Amishol not entering Eretz But, so he, he I think he, he really gives very good proof to the fact that Aaron and Moshe were punished for different sins, and he bases it all through the psukim. So that was just some little, uh, Snippets of the Abarbanel, and now to the Nivuot Nechama in Abarbanel. And I, I, before I get to the story of Shmot and Yitziat Mitzrayim, I want to talk about the Nivuot Nechama in the Nivim Achronim. If you recall, I said the Nivuot. He spent a lot of time uh, in Parshanut of Nivuot Nechama because he felt that that's what his people. Needed in general, abarbanel saw himself not just as a commentator. He saw himself as he writes about himself, a nagid leumi la'uma shali. not leumi as in like bank leumi. A nagid le- leumi la He sees himself. He, they had this family has a tradition that they are descendants of the Davidic dynasty. It's a little bit not not really. It's hard to prove one way or the other, but he definitely saw himself that he has that responsibility and every position that he takes, that's really what he sees as in his position. I am responsible for my people. And when he writes the sections that he chooses to write, he chooses what is it that my people need now. And after all the many crises that Am Yisrael has been through, he writes, he decides to write the Perush to Nivot Nechama. There's one other crisis that we did not mention and which we'll come across very soon, is, remember I said in 1492, many of the Jews went to Portugal, only they didn't last in Portugal too long. One of the reasons they didn't last in Portugal is four years later, there's the Portugal expulsion, there's the Inquisition in Portugal. And when that happens, the Jews that 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 uh, that were willing to leave everything behind in Spain and go to Portugal, when they arrive, when they are told again you have to pack up and leave, many of them don't leave anymore, and they accept some of them live at Moranos, some of them accept Christianity, many of them completely lose faith. After Portugal, so Portugal is a lot more of a, I would say, a uh, a breaking point for many of the Jews than Spain. So he deals now. Nevuot Nechama, We, if you look in the commentaries, if you read Nevuot Nechama, we're, we're hope a, a week from now we'll be reading the Sheva de Nechemta. You know, if you read through the commentaries, they have always have these discussions. When did these Nevuot Nechama take place? So there'll be those that say that this is referring to Koresh Melech Paras, that this particular nevuah of yeshayahu Nachamu Nachamu Ami, is referring to Koresh Melech Paras, and the Nivuat Nechama of Ovadia that talks about the destruction of Edom is referring to the destruction of Edom in the time of Melech Bavel, and so on and it, it's, it's not, they're they're, nevuot, they're not clear, and they try to figure out when did they take place, and some of them, they say they didn't take pl- place yet, they're yet to take place in the future. The Abarbanel takes all the Nivuot nechama, and it will explain one by one, none of these nevuot nechama fulfill, ever fulfill themselves. According to Abar Banel, there's no such thing as shivat Zion. There's no Geulat Shivat Sion. We all sing Shiramalot Beshuvah and Shivat Sion, and most of the Mefarshim explain that that is Shivat Sion in the time of Cyrus and Ba'i Cheney. Then he says there is no Geulat Vayee Cheney. More than that, if you're familiar, there's the Parashah of Tochecha in Sefer Vayekra, and there's the Tochecha in, parasha, in Sefer Devarim in Kitavo. There's the famous Ramban that says that their first Tochecha. Is referring to Bait Rishon. Bait Rishon. And that Sefer Devarim's rebuke and punishment and exile is talking about Bait Shaini. He says there, you can't distinguish between the two. There's only one. And what's very interesting to me is why is he so, why is he such a Kanai? And when uh, Ibn Ezra writes that Edom was destroyed in the time of Babel, Abarbanel gets very angry at him. He said, Shame on you, Ibn Ezra! Using the words of Ovadia, for saying such a thing. How could you possibly think? Now, why is it so important? Let's open up to the Tochecha in Sefer Vayikra, and we'll see what was bothering Abarbanel. The Tochecha appears at the very end of Parsha's Bechokotai, Perak Chavav, How does the Tokhecha that whole you know, like that section that we read very quietly and uh quickly? Let's read verse um thirty-eight. And then Pasak men dalid Ve afgam zot beheyotam, the erets oi ve lo Lome a steam, velogal team, le halotam, la fair Hashem eloke him. Vizachartil and breed we show name. Asherotam eret me tramlinia green, yotla l'elohim. Ani Hashem. How does the breed, how does the tocha end? With hope. There's the breed. How does the tochecha in parash in Sefer Devarim Kitavo Devarim chapter twenty eight end. Devarim chapter twenty eight verse? I'm just starting from the end. You know, I'm going to start from verse sixty four because it's an interesting verse which we just mentioned here in a different (laughs) count. We just read that passage in the beginning of Durham. He brings the same thing here. You'll find no rest. It goes on and on. You'll go down to You'll go down to exile in Egypt you'll be sold for sl- as slaves but your condition there are going to be first of all so many of you and your condition of the slaves is going to be so poor that you're just going to be constantly be sold because no one's going to buy you you're going to be this unwanted goods it's not Vinim vinimkartem vinim kartem means that there's a seller and there's a buyer you're going to be on the market all the time and no one's going to buy you v'ein kone. How does this end? That's the end. So the Christians really went to town with this because they said, Bait Rishon, there was Geula and there was Nechama. Bait there is no Geula after Bait Sheini. And the Christians explained all of the Nevuot Nechama that referred to Am Yisrael as Nevuot, that fulfilled themselves. Those were all the Nevuot that, when you talk about Nachamu, Nachamu, those were all Nevuot that fulfilled. B'Shub Shemit Shivat Sion that happened already. Abarbanel Banel wants to give his people hope. And therefore he says, No, none of them happened yet. None of these Nevuot were fulfilled. He wants to make it very clear. You know, when you have a parshan that says, well, maybe this is here, maybe this was filled, maybe this wasn't, this was by rishon, by sheni, that's no, that people want to hear something very clear cut. And he makes it very clear cut and he'll go one by one. All the nevuot nechama were all, were all, were not, none of them were yet to be fulfilled. He says, do you call Zion a ge'ula? Poor nebuch people coming from Babel. To build a Beit Hamikdash that doesn't have an Urim V'Tumim and doesn't have our own Habrit, and the majority of the Jewish community is still in Persia, we don't have Malchut Yehuda. That's what you call that a Geula? That's not a Geula. What does he call that? Hakala B'tna'im. These are just like, you have like a, an, a, a a prisoner. You can he can get better ter, better terms. That's what it is. It's Hakala Bitsna'ev Galut. That's what Geula, that's what Bayit Cheney is. No more than that. We're still, and he said, we're still Ad Hayom hazeh in Galut, bayt Rishon, waiting for, Galut, bayt Rishon, Adetam Hayom hazeh. Bayit Cheney was just a little shot in the arm of, uh, of to give us a little bit of hope. But it wasn't in Geula. The Geula, all these nevots are yet to be fulfilled. What call us today? We're, by, we're in Galut, bayt Rishon. That's exactly what he says. We are... Uh, you know, I'll be two lines from the Abar Banel. V'chol ze yoreh shehagalut harishon hu asher hitmid miyom chorbano. We are in the galut harishon that still exists. miyom chorbano beit b'gdashenu al yad nevuchanetzer melech b'vel ad hayom hazeh. Till this very day we are in galut bayit Um Now... Here we see that Barbedel definitely explains text based on how he, uh, b- what he was going, going through. I, w- I want to go uh, to the topic of today's class, which was really Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. So let's open up to Sefer Shemot. The beginning of Sefer Shemot. And Sefer Shemot is really a, a, um, a fascinating, uh, he has a fascinating perushim on Sefer Shemot. Some of the revolutionary ones, which you're, I'm sure you're all familiar, but you might not be aware that they there are it's the Abarbanel, the famous perush of the Meyaldot. Right, today we're all taught that the Meyaldot were not necessarily uh, Shifra and Puah and not necessarily Jewish women. And he's the first one to say that they were Mitzriot's. They were the, the midwives of the Ivriot. It says, Power wouldn't ask Jewish women to kill off Jews. He, of course he wouldn't trust them. HaMiyaldot et Just like we have Sarai Misim, we have Sarai Miyaldot, midwives who are in charge of the, uh, the birth in Mitzrayim, and they were in charge of the Hebrew birthing in Mitzrayim. And, it, and he says, these Miyaldot feared God said it's not, no great attribute if they were Jews that they didn't kill their own brothers. That would not have been any any great schut. It's expected of them, of a Jew, not to kill off their own family. It is considered a greatness if we understand that these Miyaldot are m'yaldot et ha'ivriot. Well, let's just read these two, three psukim since we're in shmot Open in up to Shemot, perek. Alice Pasuk Yed Chet. Vayee Kramelch Mitran, Vamiel Dot, Madua Siten Hadavar Hase, Vatachena et Hayeladim, Vatomarna Hamiel Dot El Paro, Kilo Hanashim Mitriot, Haivriot, Kihayot Hena, Betem Tavo Alehen, Hamielad, veyaladu. Another nice parish on the next Pasuk, Abarbanel. Vayee Tevelokim, Vamiel Dot, Vaye Revham, Vayatumu, Meod. These two psukim are not written in a very coherent way. What exactly is the reward? And we have to try to get Rashi out of our mind. Sometimes we almost think Rashi is the, is, is the Pshat. But here it says, He just reads the Pasuk. What is the hatava? It doesn't say anything that the hatava is the, that God gives them houses of and Kunah. See Rashi. What is the kindness that they were successful in what they attempted to do? But also more than that, if there are a lot of children, what does that mean to these Egyptian meyaldot? Business is booming. That's what he says. And what is their batim. Now, it what does it mean? It's not talking about God. God's reward was mentioned in the previous pasuk. What does it say, Vayaslam Aslam It says, the women, say, the women were just telling Paro, these women give birth all over the place. Ki by the time I get there. So what does Paro say? We're going to build the first laniado, Beit Cholim in Mitzrayim. We're going to build the Beit Yodot. Vayhi ki aru et since these adults are not listening to Paro and they fear God therefore what? Vayas lahem batim he makes birthing homes, writes the abarbanel Banel Vayas and uh, if any of you were in my class yesterday we spoke about Yirat Elohim, yesterday that meant basic moral behavior As in the Parshaniyot of the Makot uh, another paper said hey, everybody, everybody quotes in there. Um Seder is the famous perush of the Abarbanel of dividing up the ten makot into three categories. The tzach Adash Be'achav the Abarbanel says what Rabbi Yehuda is not just trying to be uh, cute here. If you could remember ten makas you could remember you don't have to give Rashi Tevot the Tzach uh, Adash Be'achav to help us remember the makot. And the very famous perush for this is that it's really three different categories the first category, Ditzach, Dan Sfardaya, Kinin, was to prove the existence of God. I'm going through this very quick because there's just not, not too much time, is to prove the existence of God. The next category of, of Adash is to prove God's ability to, uh, to intervene, the Hashgacha. And the third category is God's ability to create. I do want to point out something fascinating in the Abarbanel's commentary to Makat According to the Abarbanel, the Sfardaya is not from the family of Kermit the Frog. Now, what I find this interesting is the historical, the history and the geography that the Abarbanel brings here. Now, this you do have already on your source sheets. If you look on source number three, Bata al hatsfardia veomnam ma hem habalei chayim shekara hakatuv Source number three, Vatal across the board. Amru, Shehem, those little fishies, Hadagim Aktanim, that make lots of noise. Tamid These are the large animals that grow in the Nile which are, in Arabic, that means crocodiles. But all, none of the other Mefarshim agree with Rabbeinu Khananel. However, If you look at the Pesukim, it does seem more likely that it's crocodiles. He always brings us proof. Mehem Amaro, first of all, one proof that it had to have been crocodiles and could not have been frogs. Number one, he uses the word no And the Abarbanals are going to go on to prove that the word negifah, lin is referring to death. Frogs don't kill. Frogs are a bit of an inconvenience, a disturbance. But it's that same I mean, We're use the word no He Hina no no at kol-gvuchah Veloya de'im. shon ya Ela b'makot sheyesh bahen mitzah unless there's that kemo ve'avah Hashem lingufet mitzrayim vehadagim haktanim atzalakim inam emitiim the little fish don't kill them. the little frogs ve'adam below no gufin bahem ve'la'chenu michuyav sheyatzfardesh azafad hatera misha dar kol linguf ulehamik and in Tehilim in Parak Ayin Chet where we have all of Jewish history in one chapter it says that about the tzfardesh v'tashchitem hashkata is also just a, a disturbance. <speaking in> Hashchata <the language> is destruction. Hashchata imita kenema hineni mashchitam et haares like the end of a bull. Ve'ele hatzfardeim yotzim minilus az levakesh ochel nafsham. Shemini ba'ashat yeor lo hayu li parnes mehadagim because the stench of the yeor the fish died. And the crocodiles had no food, so they had to go on to dry land. Until this very day, they go out of the Nile, and once in a while they, I don't know, I'm sure this appears in some movie. The they went, and they would enter the houses, the bedrooms, the Mishkabim, Hayu And then he goes on and writes, The there's an island. Farad, Mi Portugal. There's an island that is settled from people that came from Spain and Portugal, and you can only imagine to yourself which people are these people. Vishman in English, how would we call this? Crocodile island. Crocodile island. Hayam, the the people of the island try to protect themselves. They've successfully managed to get rid of the crocodiles crocodiles, the There are many of the Jews. Megorashes he enisam melech Portugal. What's her name? Juan. Juan la <laughs> avor al datam shalachot Shama ze arbais reshana kulam <laughs> yeladim <laughs> asher ein baem kol mumz chamim nekevot yoter me alfaim nefashot uqvar parul ve rabushan rov ha'im mehem The azot. If you want to know where it is, netuya mehakav hashave meat. So if you go, what is kav hashave? The equator. And if you go it to south, I would say, um, no, east, south, Afri- east, central Africa, on the equator, there's an island, and this island is called Sao Tom. And Sao Tom was, they grew their sugar cane. And the Portuguese king sent a group of Jews to there, because they couldn't afford to pay taxes. They were penniless, and he sent them to their group, a, a large group of Jews, of 2,000 Jews. And if you want to read about it on the next page, he told them, the, the, the Portuguese king told the, told the Jews, you can stay on condition that within a year you pay taxes, and if not, you will be my slaves. I'm just going to read the last section. because Most of them could not leave the country in one year either you leave the country or pay the taxes. Eventually, they did not want either and they became slaves to the king of Portugal. Juan II too, took some cruel measures against them. One of those was sending 2,000 Jewish children to the island of Saltom in South Afri- in Africa, then not inhabited and was popularly known as the island of the crocodiles. We don't know this for sure. What was the fate of the children? But uh, it's a small island that exists till today. And uh, so that was just a, an interesting... Now, it says 14 years ago that this story took place. When did he write his parish to Sefer Shmot? V'ha'ita Remember, he went to Venice. harishon shnat reish vav That's year one five o six. He wrote Shmot, and he's referring to an event that took fourteen years before. So, what year would that be? Fourteen ninety two. This is the Sefer Shmot that he wrote. In 1492. Um we have other peir- two other sources of interesting perushim of Abarbanel in, for Sefer Shmot. I want to read them in Sefer Dvarim in Parashat Mikra Bikurim. Open up to Sefer Dvarim. Dvarim perak chavav. When when a person when a, the farmer would bring his produce to the Beit Hamikdash, pasak dalid, ve'la'kacha kohen, he would bring the basket, hatenem mi'adecha, ve'nicholif me'izbach, Hashem elokecha, ve'anita ve'amarta, dvarim chavav pasake, ve'anita ve'amarta lifnei Hashem elokecha, arami oved avi. And you're all saying, oh, they must have taken this from the Haggadah. Let's go back to the first Pasuk that we Pasuk Vav. Vaya reu otanu hamitsrim vaya anunu vaitnu Avoda Kasha. I want to read the barbanel's pairush on this, the first source that you have on your source sheet. Vayare Otanu Hamitsrim. Source number one. Peirushabanel. Rotzelomar Sheasulahem Shlosha Minim Meharaot. Haikad very simple parish. So What does it mean by They did bad to us. And what way did they do bad? That we had to, that we, that they, that we had to uh, throw our children into the Nile. I find that perish interesting because I want to compare it to his perish. In Zevach Pesach, where he takes the same psukim, the perush to the Haggadah, the same psukim, which I would expect the commentator to explain these psukim in an identical way. But he explains it very differently. A perush that you also might be very familiar with, but not know that it's a barbanel. Read his perush, Zevach Pesach. On the words, the barbanel writes, Kihamitsriem Chashdu, Shahdu it Bneisrael Le le'anashim Raim Vahataim. In the Perush to the Hagadah, he explains, Bayarehu. It doesn't say Vayarehu Lanu. Vayareu Lanu means they would do bad to us. Vayarehu otanu, says the Barbanel. they made us seem bad. They made us look bad. Vayareu otanu, chashdu. What is chashdu? They suspected us to be evil people. Even though they were a righteous people. They thought us as we were a fifth column. They thought us that if we wanted to Destroy the destroy the the economy that we were bad for Spain or Egypt or whatever you want to write here. Do you see how his peirush for the hadgada is very different than his peirush for the chumash? How how? Let's read another example for this. Let's go to back to the pesukin, pesuk chavav, in the chumash, pesuk zayin, vanitz akal Hashem et kolenu vayar. God saw our affliction, our amal and our lachats, the et Source number two. Abarbanel. What is anyenu? Bayar et onyam. She abudatamalh kmosh the harti. He saw anyam is that we had we were slaves, we were working very hard. Et amalam, Shehem Habarim, kidathamidrash. That we were raising children and then we had to uh, and then the children were taken away. What is Lachatzeinu, the Abar Et lachatzam? Shayu amitzrim, klal ham, lochatzim otam. You don't explain a word by using the same word, Abar El, but he did. Shayu Lachatzeinu, what is Lachatzeinu? Shayu Mitraim lochatzim otam. What does that mean, lochatzim? Oppress them, pressure them. What does he write on his Perush Zevach, Pesach? Ve'et Lachatzeinu. Ulai haya ve vehadochak. Shehayu osim hamitrim et eloheihem. What was the Lachat in the dochak? It is it is I would say spiritual lahats to worship their gods. Now he writes Ulai. I'm sure that that's not the spiritual lachats that they felt. When it says in the Chumash, it's physical pressure. Abba Benel does not explain it that way. It is the, he sees it from his eyes, of someone who's undergoing a shiabud and galut. And his... eyes, What would Lahat be? He wants to understand... Well, if I want to understand Siyam I want to take it to my time. What is Lahat? To worship their gods. Another explanation. et derech he saw the anguish of hiding. The hiding is something important. Living in hiding. It's not oppression. He uses the word, I would just maybe use this as psychological torture. And here's this line, a really fascinating line. What do you say? The, the mental affliction is so much more worse than the labor. In Mitzrayim, they did have labor. Now he's trying to explain what his Mitzrayim is. God saw their, what their is going through. Now, why does the Abarbanel explain it differently in the Haggadah and the story of Yetiyah Mitraim and in the Chumash it is explained differently? Number one, There's two, there are two different purposes. The story of, of Chumash, his purpose of, his, of the commentary of Chumash is to explain the Psukim. The purpose in his commentary to the Hagada is Bechol Dor Vador Chayav Adam Lirot Etatbok hu Yasami Mitraim. To relive his own his own shiabud mitzrayim, that's number one. Number two, there's also a there's a gap in time. His perush to the Haggadah, the Abarbanel wrote shortly after he left Portugal, when he was completely crushed. And he says he calls it zevach pesach. He said, I remember my seder, my whole family sitting around the table, my wife, my children. I was served by servants. And here I am poor and I hardly have any food and I'm blind, right? And the only zevach, I have no zevach to offer God. The only zevach I can give God is a perush to the Haggadah. So there's also time. And time heals. His perush for Sefer Shemot, he wrote 14 years after Gerus Farad. But this is fresh in his mind. And I want to um, read a few lines from his introduction to the Haggadah, before we continue with the with more examples from Shmot, read in source number four. <laughs> what is that? What, uh, what? N- now, now it's not in a pasuk. Now we're just in. Oh, it's not a pasuk. This is the introduction. Are there and Now before it was on per chavav pasuk vav, Dvaram chavav vav, and now we're in source number four. On his introduction to Zevach Pesach, a a really a wonderful parish, the Hagadah. ki hinei ha'adon Hashem tzvakot, chashav lehashchit chomet bat Sion, galut Yerushalayim asher besfarad. Those of you who are tuned to the sources where you have the combination here of Eicha and Sefer Ovadia. God is the enemy. Chashav l'shchit chomat b'tzion galut yirushalayim asher evishvat hayah Hashem. Listen to this. Keo'ev lehashmid leharagul leabed et kol hayehudim. Right, taking from the Megillah, only God is the enemy, not Haman. God is the enemy. Veshalach bamcharon apo evra v'zam v'tzara mishlachas. What's the end of the pasuk? Malachim ra'im. Here it's Mishlachat Melachim, evil kings. God sends evil kings. Mechablim va'yisa ha'am in Egypt. How do they leave Mitzrayim? et betzeikam el shichman. In Mitzrayim they leave with the betzeik on their shechem. Here what do they leave? With their sorrows. Et mitsukam el Shichmam besimotam tsarot. I think one of the most horrifying sentences is the next sentence. Ki Elohim panim el panim nilcham be'amo What I've seen is God fighting His people. The people want to be Jewish and God is not allowing them. Elohim nilcham panim u'fanim. In a couple of days, hopefully we will be celebrating T- uh, T- uh, Tisha but they have many keynotes that are written for Geirus Farad, which are very similar to the keynote. Why God, how could you have done this test? Are king al Khan Ba Mochamah Bahum Migoy al Goy umamacha? How does the pasuk end? Amacher Lohi Niakli Ishloshkam here, there is no good ending to that pasuk. El Elmidbaramim Vaani Betoha Gola Avarnu Me Evra Geva Malon Lanu taken from Meshayao, Khadaha Haramah, Uve Adirin Mishbere Yam Banu Lamachut. Naples, not Polish. Veshuvav anachan itkabalu. Remember, he escaped from Spain. He went to Naples. He couldn't go to Portugal. Amar ti atayachiv hashemenu. I said, Ah oh, baruch hashem, I've arrived el hamenucha veel hanachala, and I was successful there. I started to rebuild my life. Ki hanani elokim shama umikni paratz baaretz asiti liyad v'shem kadoshim asher baaretz shema slowly I built myself up, however, after the destruction of Shiloh, the destruction of Yerushalayim, after the destruction of Spain, here is the destruction in Naples, here is psukim taken from the klala. Remember the French invasion to Naples Remember I told you the locals, they were they were cruel. the locals, dome. Many Jews were taken in captive. Taken from the the rabim ame haaretz. Does anybody know if I would just start the pasuk? Where is it taken from? Mit yahadim, right? Taken from the Megillah. Rabin ame haaretz mit yahadim. What does it say here? The rabim ame haaretz, the opposite of mit yahadim. Avru They've left Judaism. Uva u b'maim hazedonim, baptism. And then he goes on to say that I have nothing left. I'm going to the second section. I can hardly see. I was down in the pit. I thought that was it. God, I, 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 I'm cut off from this life. Why should you be, in modern English, shell shock? Lama tamut beloytecha. Mai ten and this, in three lines, this encapsulates the life of Abarbanel. Mai May ten lecha, kitis mayosif lecha, habishonot. It's not going to help to mourn over the past. Get a grip on your life. Mad chaval al-dadin. Chaval what we lost, but? Kum! Get up! Chaval madwavi alabrevot. Sadiq wa Hashem. Simna kaval la Hashem. The last two lines of this section. I want to explain the 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 uh, the um the Hagada. Explain the Galut. Explain the the Geula. This is my offering that I can offer a broken spirit Explain the Galut and the geulah. The next section, which we'll just have time to read two or three lines from, is, And now we, are, we really understand so clearly why he explained these sections in the Haggadah differently. This is his Yitziat Mitzrayim and he says, I've been asked. He writes, don't, you don't have the question here. How can we say? How can we say? Um, Ilu mi says Rabbi says, I'd rather be in Mitzrayim. He says, I'd rather be in Mitzrayim. Hare anu vanenu, says, I'd He says, what we went through in Mitzrayim is not as bad as what we're going can't be as bad as what we're going through today. And then he writes, if you're alive today to say that, then you've had a miracle. Says every And then you've had a miracle and you have to have your own Yitzhak Mitzrayim. He says you had your own. If you survived the, the sea and you didn't die at shipwreck, you had your own Kriyat Yamsuf. You had your own kri. You had your own Nisim. Um, let's just go to the last section on the Pirkei Tila at the end. Lo Netanani. I just want to read the last three, three, three lines here. <speaking in Hebrew> he who wrote the Tilim envisioned in Ruach HaKodesh that a time will come. People will start questioning, will Am Yisrael continue to exist? I will not die. Yasor, we are going to undergo through many יישרימ. Yasor Yes, we undergo many יישרימ. Aval Tamid אחיהב Yes, we undergo The complete destruction. כי V'lamavest lo netanani. It is v'met a story of someone who can fall and get up. Sheva yipol v'kam. And Graziano. <laughs>